Warning, this podcast will challenge your thinking. Welcome to Business Problems Solved. In this podcast, we help you solve your business problems by providing real examples and practical approaches to make today better than yesterday. Introducing your host, the multi-sector, self-professed, most improved improvement person and qualified business problem solver, Lee Horton. Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solved. Today, I have the immense pleasure of chatting with Matt Edmondson. Matt is, I think it's fair to say, Mr. E-commerce. How are you, Matt? Yeah, well, apart from getting over man flu, I'm, I'm, I'm very good, Lee. How are you doing? Yeah, not so bad at all. Not so bad at all. Thank, thank you so much for asking. Yeah, man flu is, uh, is, is a lot worse than ordinary flu, isn't it? It's, well, it is. And, you know, I... We have a, a a young lady that lives with us, lodges with us, actually. She's been living with us for a few years, and she's a paramedic. So uh, that was very handy during this season, yeah. yeah I can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> but for those people who don't know who Matt is, who is Matt? And how has he got to, to sit in this seat today? What's your story, Matt? Oh, geez. Uh, the short version is uh, I run a whole bunch of e-commerce businesses, uh, and I've done so since 2002. And it's wonderful. Totally love it. Totally enjoy it. Um, how we get, well, how we got here, obviously, is probably a bit more of an interesting question. Um, married, three kids, live in Liverpool, a big Liverpool football club fan. And yeah, life is good. Life is very, very good. And so um, I'm, I'm still the, you know, the, the other side of 50. I've not, I've not made it through that barrier yet. So I, I still feel young enough that, you know, life is, life is good. <laughs> Amazing, amazing. So, nineteen years in e-commerce. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you get into it, and and why have you stayed doing it? Yeah, it's totally by accidently, um, as a lot of these things are in life, aren't they? There's an opportunity in front of you that you just kind of take advantage of. And what happened was, uh, it was 1997, and I remember it. Uh, no, 1998. I remember that year well because I got married, and I'm just giving you the wrong year date. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember it that well. Uh, but I was I was working for a friend of mine called Simon, and um, whilst I was working there, I was like, I need to do a, a sort of a business on the side. I eventually wanted to be, you know, my own boss. I want to set up my own company. Uh, and my dad had always had this sort of we call them side hustles now, you know, and I'd sort of grown up in that environment. And so I wanted to set up a, a business and a friend of mine came to me and he said, listen, um, do you know anybody that can do these website things? Because um, our church wants a website. And I was like, well, I mean, this is back, you know, just before the internet was actually, I mean, it was very early days. And so I said to him, there's only one company I know that could give you a website and these guys are three, three of my friends. They sat in a, in a room uh, in Liverpool and they would literally write all the web code out by hand. I mean, it was just crazy how long things would take. Um, and so the quotes you would get back then for websites were crazy, crazy money, especially for a church. Uh, and so I said to him, I said, listen, I'll tell you what, if you buy me, the so- there's some software out there. Uh, and if anyone listening to the show remembers this, it was called Dreamweaver. Uh, I said, you know, there's some software called Dreamweaver. If you buy that, I'll figure it out and I'll write the website for you. And he said, all right, done, deal. 
And so I don't know why I said that to this day. I can't give you a, a reason. Um, I just thought I'd be interested to learn how to write websites, you know. And so that's how it started uh, back in 98. I wrote their the website for them. And then it didn't take too long after that. Uh, so 2002, we launched our first e-commerce business. Um, that's just when e-commerce was starting to become more and more well-known. Yeah. And um, so I did my first e-commerce site in 2002. It was a website called Tanmad, uh, which was, <laughs> I don't even know if it's still going to be fair, but basically we sold tanning products uh, online. A, a wow. friend of mine up in Leeds, he was a wholesaler of tanning products, you know, and I was like, mate, can I just sell your stuff online and see if it sells? I've never done an online business. I don't know what to sell online. Um, but if you don't mind, I'll just buy it as and when I sell it. And he said, no, totally fine. Knock yourself out. So we did. We just had this little experiment and Tanmad took off. And six months later, I sold that business to the guys that I was buying the product from. So, yeah, that's how it kind of started, really. Amazing. Uh, yeah. So, just so, question for you then, Matt. Before Dreamweaver and the church website, what were you doing? I was... Uh, working for a guy called Simon at a company that used to be called Seven Leisure. And we basically installed health spas. And so, um, you know, saunas and steam rooms and things like that. So I designed health spas for a living. That's what I did. We installed health spas. Um, I did that until 2001. And Simon sold the business and he moved over to New Zealand. And we're still good friends even to this day. Um, and he sold that business 2001, and that's when I went full time on the web stuff. Yeah, yeah. amazing. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. What 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 would you say you do best? Build team. Uh, I Build would the say. team. Yeah, yeah. I I um, I think I get on well with people, and um, I I enjoy people. I enjoy being around people, even in a digital world. You know, the world of the internet, which is, I mean, that's a phenomenal thing in its own right. Um, but I just enjoy being around people. I enjoy uh, adding value to a conversation. I, do you know what I mean? That sort of. Yeah. When it came to like the health spas, you would you would be faced with a piece of paper or blank room, and you'd have to create something that was wonderful for the client's budget. And I love that. I love the challenge of that. I love the meeting the clients and, and talking with them and, and creating something together that was just extraordinary. And um, that desire to be around people, to learn from them, to try and do something with them is kind of, yeah, I'd say that's driven me to where I am now. Yeah, I love that. I love that as well, because a lot of what you do is is online and people perceive that as, as not people-centric, but the fact <laughs> that you're so successful doing what you do and the one thing that you say is is what you do best is building a team with people i think that that's that says a lot about about you and and what is the 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 real secret of, of your success and um, in mm -hmm. fact actually I, i've just used the word success and do you see yourself as successful uh do i i do uh, and I, I think if you look at it through different lenses success becomes a funny word doesn't it and so um success can mean very different things to different people and i remember um, there was one time uh, I was interviewing to become a non-exec on a fair trade, but there's a PLC in the UK called Tradecraft. They're a fair trade organization and they were interviewing me to become a board member. And I thought it was, it was my first non-exec role. It was very exciting. It was uh, an organization which I 
I thought was doing a marvelous thing for the world and for the planet. I was like, that's fair trade. It's cool. Yeah. I could get involved in that. Knew nothing about the industry whatsoever. And I'm sat there interviewing and um, I I remember the interview really well because um, the lady that was interviewing me was beautiful lady. Uh, I won't mention her name just in case she's listening, but this beautiful lady was interviewing me, asking me about uh, e-commerce business and asking me about success because we were, um, at the time, I had a business selling beauty products online. And if you went on there, you could buy, you know, face cream for like 100 quid. Um, and so she was asking me about this. She was like, you have this face cream on your website for 100 quid. Some would say that's very ostentatious, even immoral. Um, and so she was asking me questions around success. But for her success and for their organization, what a lot of people thought was successful for her was the exact opposite. It was, yeah. it was distasteful. Do you, do you see what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and so, but then you kind of, I've got another good friend of mine. He's walking in the Himalayas at the moment. He has two McLarens, you know, he, why, why you need two? I don't know, but he has two <laughs> McLarens and it's kind of like, it's very fascinating the the road we go down. My wife works with refugee and asylum seekers. Um, and so through the lens of their eyes, I'm one of the wealthiest people on the planet, you know? And so I think it all depends on whose eyes you look through, but if you look through my eyes, I would say I'm successful, but not because of my business. Um, and that's the, probably maybe the, the point that's worth noting. I'd say I'm successful because I've been married for 23 years and it's a beautiful thing. Um, my, I have three kids, all of whom I think still like me, none of whom I killed <laughs> as they were growing up. So we get on well. I have good relationship with them. I don't live in the biggest house. I don't drive a McLaren. I actually sold my Lexus. Um, I didn't sell my Lexus. That's a lie. But I don't drive my Lexus anymore. Um, I drive a van. I love my van. Should have done it years ago. Um, but I was, do you know what I mean? I think success is one of those funny things, isn't it? And I would say I'm successful, but not because of the business or the money, but yeah. because of other things. Yeah, I love that. So people people are coming across really quite strongly in terms of your values and, and or what it is that you value. Um, mm. Has that always been the case? Um, I think I think it has to be, doesn't it? Because you know we grow up with values as people, I, and I think um, what we value is important to us, even if we don't verbalize that, even if we don't consciously know that. Um, to the point now when we interview people. Uh, for our company or when I do coaching or consulting for other companies and we look at their staff, there's two questions that we want to ask. One is what's their level of skill? What's their level of competence? You know, how good are they at their actual job? Um, and I can read that in their CV. I can read that in their appraisals, Jeremy, you know I and so on and so forth. But the next question we always ask is how aligned are they to the values of the company? Um, because if they're not aligned to the values of the company, I don't care how good they are they're never going to be great for you. And in fact, if you, you can get somebody who is so competent at their job, but is so culturally misaligned, um, we call those guys terrorists, right? This, it's your archetypal ta- salesperson that doesn't care about anything other than getting the next big sale. And the company is so afraid of getting rid of them because they're so successful at what they do, but they're so culturally misaligned. And so I think your values, whether you know it or not, drive you massively and being aware of them being aware of your values helps you so much in life do you know what I mean make right decisions um and so understanding that I 
I, I would say probably about 10, 12 years ago, I did a massive piece of work with a life coach, uh, just in terms of understanding this whole idea of values and my values and, and what drove me. And it, yeah, it made a massive difference. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Thank you for that. And if if you now were to give a piece of advice to the um, to the Matt who had just set up um, Tanmad, was it Tanmad? Yeah. Yeah. So if uh, so, if you were to give some advice to Matt mm. who's just started up Tanmad, now what 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 advice would you give him? Uh, I'd say to him, it's going to be all right. You'll be amazed. You know, enjoy the journey. Um, I think I, if I look back now, the things that I've done well, like family and marriage, I've got no issues there. I'd probably say to him, listen, Matt, don't buy property. It's not your skill set. You're going to lose a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't do that. Um, and I think I'd probably say to him, whenever you set up a business partnership, um, so whenever you set up a business with somebody, have an exit date and have it really clear on a piece of paper what the expectations are of both of you, um, especially if you go into business with a mate. And I'd say that some of the key learnings that we've that I've had over the years will be around those those things. Don't do property, um, <laughs> at least for me. Do digital; it's much more sensible. Uh, and um, yeah, just be just be uh, wildly cautious about business partnerships. Um, I think business partnerships are, are unbelievably good. And it's great to have partnerships with people, um, but partnerships, I think, need an end date. And I think especially partners with friends need a contract. Um, and uh, that, that, that'd that be what I'd say to myself. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so when you, when you talk just quickly about the, the business partnership stuff, um, when you set up a business, is it with a view to, to it having an end date or when you set up the business or businesses, do you set them up with a, a view to having an end, an, 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 an end date? It's not easy for me to say. Or is it just is it just for the for the health of the partnership that you have that view to working towards an end date? Uh, I think well, there's two different questions, Ellie. One is around business partnerships, and one is around business. I think if you're, I'm I'm of an age, right? Uh, I don't know if you've ever read the book The E Myth with Michael Gerber. Yeah, great book. I remember reading that. Um, at the start of my business journey. And he said in that book, you, you need to build this business to sell it. Uh, and you need to understand if you don't sell it to somebody else, you're in effect the person that's buying it. You're trading your time, your hours, your sweat, your energy for that business, right? So, um, so somebody somewhere is buying it, either you are or somebody else is, but you need to build it in such a way to sell it. Um, and that's kind of always stayed with me. So every business I've ever started at some point in my head, I know I'm either going to end it because it's failed um, or I'm going to sell it um, because it's time to move on or I'm personally going to buy it. Um, but when it comes to business partnerships, um, there are very few business partners that I've met that have had uh, that have had good longevity. Right. So I've not met many business partners that have been business partners for 30, 40 years. And I think business partnerships, when they start, they're great and they're synergistic and they're wonderful and they're amazing and they bring immense value. But I think life has a habit of happening, doesn't it? And, and so when you're talking about relationships with people, um, life sort of changes for both parties in that business relationship and you 
and you see things in different ways or you different needs start to come out of the woodwork. And so uh, this is where I think a, a written down contract is helpful, especially with friends. I've seen a lot of business partnerships with good friends fail um, and actually and badly. Um, but I think, I think, you know, just starting out your business partnership journey together with this, with a statement saying, you know what, in 10 years time or in five years time, how do we end this well? I'm not saying that we are going to end this well, but how do we end this well? What is it you're looking for? What is it I'm looking for? And what does that mean when we get there? And you have that conversation ahead of time. So it doesn't surprise you when you get there, because there will come a point, I think, where you're not as connected with your business partners in terms of the direction of the business. And for the sake of the friendship, for the sake of the relationship, that should probably end. Yeah, no, no, makes perfect sense, makes perfect sense. And it would be a huge um, opportunity missed if I didn't chat to you about e-commerce and the secrets of e-commerce and, and stuff. So if you were coaching somebody now that had a, a something to sell online, a, a product mm -hmm. to sell, how... How should they go about it? What is what is the secret of success in e-commerce? Yeah, well, the first thing to realize, I think, Lee, is there's no silver bullet, right? And so um, ignore anybody that tells you there is. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the secret to success doesn't necessarily lie in social media. It doesn't lie in a great website. It doesn't, in all the places that you think people tell you, it, it just isn't there. Right. So the bottom, the fundamental thing is for any e-commerce website to work. And, you know, if I had a drum roll, I'd give you one. This is not rocket science. Right. For an e-commerce business to work, you have to have a product that people want to buy. And I. I know that sounds blindingly obvious, uh, but I would say 99 percent of e-commerce businesses that I've seen fail because they've got products that nobody wants to buy. They've got products that they want to buy or they sell products that maybe their mum would buy just because they're related to them, but nobody else on the planet could care. And so um, you've got to have a product that people want to buy. You've got to present that product in a way that is unique and stands out from everybody else. Okay. So one of the classic ones we saw uh, pre pandemic was sunglasses websites. So more sunglasses websites than I could, you know, look at before the pandemic and all that happened was everybody just went to AliExpress and they're like, oh, I can buy sunglasses there for like a quid or a dollar and I can throw them on a website and sell them for 20 quid. But you've got a product that no one's willing to pay 20 quid for because they're a dollar pair of sunglasses, right? And, and you're not presenting it in a way that is going to captivate or capture that person. People aren't fools, right? So, um, you know... It, one of the biggest complaints you hear with e-commerce is I've, I'm getting traffic to my website, but nobody's buying where well, no one's buying because your website's either rubbish or because your product is presented so badly and so poorly that no one cares. And so the rules of marketing, the rules of getting on well with people, the rules of persuasion, they all work online. Those principles still matter. Have a good quality product that people care about, have a good quality product that people want to buy and just know that product better than anybody else and present the information in a way which is compelling online and people will absolutely fall over themselves to buy it from you especially if you follow that up with great customer service remember you know you've got it is digital it is online but fundamentally your business is driven by people 
you know, and for an e-commerce business to work, it's not just one person, it's thousands. You need thousands of people to come to your website and buy. So you can't treat them like a number. You know, you've got to treat them like real people. And I think if you do that, have a product that people want to buy, present it in a way that's compelling and informative and have customer service that is so magnetic that people will shout out about your, you know, their experience of buying with you. You, you'll have a great e-commerce business. If you can't do those things, you're going to struggle, if I'm honest. Yeah, so love that. How do you get people to see your product? Because I think what, what you spoke about there is, is one of the challenges is people come into a website, but they're not, not buying. Um, what I see um, is, is some people having challenges of not getting enough traffic to be able to see it first. How would you mm-hmm. tackle the, first, that, the, the initial problem? I don't I have to I don't think traffic is the initial problem um Leah if I'm honest with you I yeah. think um I think traffic's an interesting one because I could go out today as long as I've got enough money I can get traffic to my website that's a fundamental thing in the modern era right I can go and buy Facebook ads I could do Google ads and I could get people to my website I might I might not make any money on that first sale um which is fine if I've got good upsells or good cross-sells or I'm going to sell to them on a repeat customer basis. Um, so you, I think you've got to get good at paid media. You've got to get good at Facebook ads. You've got to get good at Google traffic. Um, but again, I, I come back to this, this problem. Is the problem traffic or is the problem the product? And so... Or is the problem the way the website talks about the product? So we call this yeah. conversion. We had a client came to us um, and said to me, he said, said, Matt, listen, our website was turning, I, I can't remember the exact numbers, but our website was turning, I think, over about 700 grand, something like that. Um, and he's like, when I look at my competitors, they're turning over 10 times. They were turning over multiple millions. Um, and so he's like, what I'm going to do is I've, I've agreed with the board. We've got 100 grand which we're willing to sort of throw into advertising to generate the traffic because he thought his problem was a traffic problem. And I said to him, well, hang on a minute, let's just slow down before you go and spend that hundred grand. Let me have a look and do some research. And we found out when we looked at his site, uh, for every hundred people that came to his website, only one person purchased. Uh, and again, I can't remember the numbers exactly, but it was something yeah. like this. So, you know, one in a hundred people were buying. When I looked at his competitor's website, one in 10 people was buying. So it wasn't a traffic issue at all. The issue was their website was just not converting as well as his competitor's website. And so I said to, I said to our client, if you took that same money and invested that on your site to get the conversion rate of your website to that of your competitor's, you'll have the multi-million in turnover. Um, and so, like I say, that you know, the, the default assumption is I've not got enough traffic. I think you don't need an awful lot of traffic to actually start to pick up some momentum online. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, you can go and, you know, you've got to do the baseline with your Facebook ads and so on and so forth. You can do the organic stuff as well with social media if you're good at that. Um, but if you've got a product that people want to buy, you sell it in a great way and you've got a great customer experience, what should happen is those customers which you've got will buy from you a second time and a third time and a fourth time. Um, and they will tell three or four other people to buy from you. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. And so the websites that we've done and the websites that have been successful, 
they've been successful, not necessarily because of traffic, but because of one interesting statistic. And the statistic is um, that over a period of time, after a few years, the, the majority of their income came from return visitors, as in people who purchased uh, more than one time. Uh, and so that that's what made our online businesses successful because that's where the profit was. You don't have much profit these days when you run ads to get people to your website. If you can run an ad campaign, they come to your website and it's break even. I think you're doing well on, on the whole. Um, but if you can get them to buy a second time and a third time and a fourth time, then you're, you're going to do super, super well. Yeah, perfect. Love it. No, thank you. What would you do if there was no internet, Matt? Uh, I would... I would be selling something somewhere to somebody. Uh, yeah. I would find I would find a problem uh, that people had, and I'd find a solution, and I'd sell them the solution. There's no doubt about it. Um, I same thing, right? Just same thing online. You find yeah. a great product that solves a problem, uh, present it well, whether that's sitting down with them at dinner or whatever that is that works for you. When we did the saunas and the spas. I discovered, I say I discovered, that's completely not true. Um, I didn't discover this at all, but I quickly realized <laughs> that um, if I, let's say you came to me and said, Matt, I, you know, I want a health spa. And, and bear in mind, health spas, you know, they're, they're, they're a pretty investment, Lee, right? They're like yeah. anywhere from half a million to four or five. To, I mean, you could spend tens of millions without too much drama. And I realized very early on in my career that if I came to you, to your premises and sat down and talked to you at your premises, I'd have maybe half an hour of your attention maximum before you were interrupted. Uh, and probably before I'd got there, you know, the cat had been sicking your slippers, you know, or something would have happened. And you, so it was always difficult, but if I could get you out of your office and say, Lee, let's go to Germany because Germany has got some of the best health spas in the world, right? We're going to go to Germany. I'm going to take you around three or four health spas. It's going to take about two or three days. I want you to come and have a look and tell me what you think, right? I knew my sale was not the sauna or the steam room. My sale was to get you to Germany because if I could get you to Germany, you 98% of people that came to Germany would buy significant, significant health spas through us. And the level investment was always high because they could see it, they could touch it, they could feel it, they could experience it. So we had a great product. Our mechanism of selling that was in such a way that captured their imagination. Do you know what I mean? It was yeah. high converting, as we'd call it on the website. It was, this, it was the sales process that worked incredibly well. And then what we did at the end of it um, was after you, let's say you, you, you know, you're, uh, we did a lot of work for wealthy, very wealthy people. I mean, at one point, most of the times top 10 rich list were a client of mine at some point, right? <coughs> Excuse me. And what we would do after we would put in, you know, these spas in their houses is we were like, what's going to get them to talk to their friends about this, right? They're going to come in and they're going to invite their friends and their friends are going to be, oh, this is a beautiful spot you've got going on in your house um so what we did was we presented each client with a coffee table book right and we would send photographer proper a proper professional photographer would go and photograph the, the journey from the initial design all the way to the final installation we'd tell the story in the pages of those coffee books and it cost a small fortune to get done you know you talk i say small fortune it's a few hundred quid at the end of the day yeah you give it to the client 
guess where they would leave it? In the health spa. So what would happen is their friends would come around, they'd see the health spa and they'd be like, oh, this is nice. And they'd be like, oh, look, this is the journey. This is what it, do you know what I mean? And they were proud of it. They're proud of where it's come from. And, and what that was doing was telling those, those other potential customers for us, this is, this is Matt's process and how this all works. You really should try this. And so then they would call us up and say, listen, you know, we, we need to talk to you guys. And so that's exactly what I'd be doing, Lee. I'd find a problem, find a product for that, and then sell it in a creative way and create such a memorable experience, whether yeah. it was online or offline. I love that. One of my favorite quotes is a Mayor Angeli one. People forget what you did, forget what you said, but never forget how you made them feel. And what mm -hmm. you just articulated there is a beautiful example of, of how through a selling process you make people feel something um, that then allows them to, to, well, get them to sense it because they'll get to be able to see stuff. But if you take them to Germany, they can start to picture it and visualize it, but then you're also creating some feeling within them as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess when you talk about um, e-com and, and, and having the right sales pages and narrative, I guess it's about getting people to feel whatever it is about that product in the end, having that product. Uh, would that be fair to say? Yeah, totally. I think you've nailed it right, right there. And then, you know, how you make people feel is so, so critical, isn't it? You know, and the, and how you, how you get people to think about something is, is super critical. You know, this with kids, with your wife, do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's an important lesson. Yeah. When you, um, when you were talking about the sales process, you, you lit up as you were talking about the, 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 the sales process. Is it, is it the sales process that you love? Is it, what, what is it that you love the most about what you do? I love meeting new people. Um, I love uh, helping people. Um, I, yeah, I think if you, if you can, it's like you said to me at the start, you know, what do you want to get out of this podcast? If I, if I had a course, I mean, we've got courses and I could talk about promoting those and all that sort of stuff, but I think as long as I come away feeling that you've, that I've added value, do you know what I mean? That whoever's listening to the show goes, you know, he's had a husky voice, bless him, but he actually said some stuff which is going to help me. That, I think, is what drives me. And um, the sales process is, I remember Zig Ziglar saying this, um, you know, because sales, I think, has got a bad rap over the years. You know, I, I remember Arthur Daly, do you know what I mean, growing yeah. up yeah. watching, <laughs> watching Arthur. Arthur. Yeah. And um, Zig Ziglar said that sales is just telling the truth attractively, right? And so I can see the problem, I can see the solution, and my skill set then becomes in helping you see that's going to work for you, not in a manip manipulative kind of way, but actually I'm just take telling the truth attractively in a way that's going to connect your problem and the solution together. And I think as long as I'm personally convinced that whatever, it is the, whatever the solution is that I'm selling is actually genuine and authentic and real. Yeah. I, I, I love that. Do you know what I mean? I, I really do. I remember, um, I don't, it doesn't happen so much now, but do you remember the days where people would knock on your door and say, uh, I'm basically here to sell you double glazing? Yeah. You know, and it was that kind of, and you, you'd get a lot of these guys knocking, and, and my heart felt for them, you know, I mean, it's a hard job to have this sort of knocking on the door thing. I've done it, didn't enjoy it. Do you know what I mean? It, it's a hard thing. And so, uh, I'm, I'm, I made this decision. Anybody that knocked on my door to sell me double glazing, I'd invite them in on one condition. And I would listen to their sales pitch and I would seriously consider their product 
on one condition. And if they met that condition, if they met that criteria, then I, I like I say, I, I'd be happy to talk to them. But here's the thing. Here, here's what the criteria was. Okay, but listen. Uh, so Lee, you're you're knocking on the door. Matt, I've come to sell you double glazing. And I'd be like, Lee, that's awesome. Listen, before we carry on with this conversation, let me tell you how it's going to go. You're going to tell me that I'm never going to get as bad a deal as you can offer me. And the product is never going to be as good. You, you hands down beat the competition. You've got all the latest innovations. You've got all the awards, which is great for you. Really appreciate that. So before we carry this on, and I'm happy, you know, you come inside and we talk about this, but I need you to do me one thing first. And that is, I want you to call your company right now and have them email over to me a copy of the order that you placed for these windows for your house. Because if these windows are as good as you say they are, my friend, yeah. you will have them in your house. Yeah. And if you don't have them in your house because you still live with your mum, she's definitely going to have them. So yeah. I'll have a look at your mum's order. And do you know how many people, Lee, I invited into my house just with that one thing? Yeah, not very many. None. Not a single yeah. person. And so that's for me, that's, that's just, that's bad sales. You have to sell products um, in a way that is authentic and genuine and real. You have to believe in the products. You have to know about them. You have to love them and enjoy them. And if you don't, why you're not really telling the truth attractively. You're just trying to manipulate me so you can get paid. And it's like that, that never really works in the long run. Uh, and I, I never really sort of go with that. And so the best salespeople aren't salespeople. They're just totally convinced that they, that their product is actually genuine and authentic and is going to help you and bless you. And if you have that, they could be entirely wrong. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Steve yeah. Jobs for me was a classic one. You know, not necessarily a massive fan of Steve Jobs. I'm not going to lie. But from a sales position, from a sales point of view, he was so passionate about those products. He was so invested in them. He was so convinced that they were as the best they could possibly be at that point in time. And that came across in every single presentation that he did. And so yeah. no wonder people got drawn up in it, you know. Yeah, no, completely comes back to that people people felt that belief, didn't they? And, and mm -hmm. the, on that journey. And um, the question that's popped into my mind now um, is when you were um creating the site for for Tanmad, did, mm -hmm. did did were you um an orange colour? Did were you wearing the product? Uh we at the time, because I was doing house bars, we installed a lot of sunbeds um in the house mm -hmm. bars. That's how I knew the guys. Um, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I appreciate there's people listening to the show that can't actually see me. I am, <laughs> I am almost, you know, I am very pale. I, when I see the sun, I go very, very red. Yeah. <laughs> but the tanning products that I used are more the ones that stop me going red. Uh, yeah. And I definitely use those. <laughs> but this is, um, this is part of the reason why, um, Tamad, I, I still don't own it. And I got out of it because my values weren't aligned to it. I was the guy on the doorstep trying to sell you double glazing that I'd never, do you know what I mean? It was just, yeah, for yeah. me, it was an experiment at the time. And it was yeah. fine for a short run thing, but there was never going to be any longevity in it. There was never going to be any passion into it. And so um, I used, like I say, one or two of the, the, the ones that stopped <laughs> me going red, but that was about it. So what, what is next for Matt Edmondson? 
Great question. So uh, we have just sold one of our main e-commerce businesses, uh, which is uh, that that was a heck of a learning curve, let me tell you. Uh, but we've just we've sold that business. So time is a little bit freer. Um, I've got involved with uh, this company here, actually, a little bit. There's a company called Vegetology, uh, which I've got involved with. These guys make um, supplements uh, like vitamins and minerals and, you know, omega-3s and stuff, but they're all vegan certified. Amazing guys, love the product, love the story. Um, and so I've, I've sort of got involved with that and taken over that a little bit, which has been great. Loving that, getting my head around that whole thing. Uh, those it's fantastic yeah yeah, yeah. I'm just carrying on with the coaching carrying on with the consulting just trying to help people uh and you know uh, and make a go of this whole thing called life yeah yeah love it love it if you could summarize your um your journey so far in just a few words how would you what would you use uh faith-filled would probably be the two words i'd use to describe it because you you have to have faith on the journey faith in the sense that i don't know what tomorrow is going to bring right i mean before we recorded you were talking about your friend yeah um i was talking to a lady earlier on we had some major tragedy in her life we've you know sometimes tragedy hits sometimes circumstance hits it doesn't matter what you just don't know what's around the corner but that shouldn't stop you going for it you know and just having faith 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 i guess in yourself faith in your family faith in your wife faith in your abilities faith in your um in your uh, creator i suppose if you're that wide as well whatever it takes you know to to get you to go for it today irrespective of what tomorrow does or doesn't have that i think that's what you have to do and you have to go for it well and strong and, and you know and, and and really give it a good shot yeah, I love that. I love that. And um, and what are you having for your tea, Matt? <laughs> uh, genuinely, this evening, I don't know, Lee, because uh, Sharon's cooking tonight. What I can tell you tomorrow is um, we are going to have uh, pulled pork uh, tacos. So, uh, a couple, you know, over lockdown, I don't know if you've done the same thing at your house, but over lockdown, I was like, this whole outdoor, because we, we we met a lot of people outdoors and we had to sit in our back gardens, you know, all those yeah. sort of times. And so what we've done at our house is we took a big section of our garden. We basically covered it. Right. Uh, so it's it's almost like an outdoor cafe now. And so there's seating areas and I built an outdoor kitchen. And one of the things that I purchased was a Traeger. OK, so this is like a, it's um. It's a barbecue. It's a, a, a sort of a wood pellet barbecue. And this just has this screw inside it, which just feeds these wood pellets into the fire constantly. So you never have to do anything. Wow. You just literally turn it on and it, and you get the most amazing smoked flavors. Uh, I'm a big fan. I have to be honest with you. And tomorrow uh, we're going to cook a pork shoulder. It's going to take about nine hours to cook uh, and it will be so, so good. We're going to mix that with a bit of homemade guacamole so you can smoke the avocados, throw in there some red onions and tomatoes. Uh, and actually one of the secret ingredients to good guacamole is actually sweet corn. Take some sweet corn and just grill it, put the sweet corn in there, bit of lime juice, bit of barbecue rub. You've got the most amazing guac, bit of cheese, taco shells. Yeah. 
Amazing. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when we uh, when we started this conversation an hour ago, I wasn't expecting one of the um, value things that you were going to offer was uh, how to make amazing guacamole. So, uh, so, well, thank you so know. yeah, thank you, thank you so much for that. So, um, uh, Matt, I just want to say thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for sharing your story um, and and the value along the way as well. It's been an absolutely immense pleasure to chat with you. One final question: If people want to know more about you, where would they go? What would they do? What would they find? Uh, sure, it'd be great to connect with anybody. Uh, just head on over to my website, mattedmondson.com. You'll find all my social media links there or on Instagram, it's at Matt Edmondson. On Twitter, it's at Matt Edmondson. Not that I ever check Twitter. Uh, but I'm on Facebook as well. I'm on LinkedIn. But yeah, if you just go to mattedmondson.com, you'll find all the information there. It'd be great to connect. Amazing. Thank, thank you so much again, Matt. It's been an absolute pleasure to get to know you. And good luck with everything you've got going on, especially the pork tomorrow. Oh, you're a legend. Lee, I really appreciate it. It's good to go down some of these things and just think these things through a bit more, which has been wonderful. So I appreciate you having me on and and asking me these amazing questions. Thanks for listening to Business Problems Solved. You can contact Lee on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram or Twitter by searching for Lee Horton, the Business Problem Solver or via visiting www.leehorton.com for more content and to solve your business problems. And remember, saying you know how to do it is not doing it.